Milk minute, milk minute, milk minute, yeah. This is Maureen Farrell and Heather O'Neill, and this is the Milk Minute. We're midwives and lactation professionals, bringing you the most up-to-date evidence for all things lactation. So you can feel more confident about feeding your baby, body positivity, relationships, and mental health. Plus, we laugh a little or a lot along the way. So join us for another episode. All right. Welcome back to the Milk Minute. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Today, we are going to bring back an old favorite uh, theme for an episode. Yeah, our first episode ever was a Mythbuster episode, and it's one of our most popular episodes to date. And we Mm -hmm. thought everybody needs a little bit of fun in their lives at this point in time. The weather's changing. It's getting a little colder. The pandemic is still trickling on. (laughs) It's still pandemicing around, which we've just coined that new term. (laughs) And we've given you a lot of heavy hitter episodes lately that have been pretty long, in-depth, research-based, which are necessary, but Mm -hmm. we got to have fun every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Not that those aren't fun, but let's really throw our hair out of the bun. Yeah, this is a good one if you just want to, like, antagonize your mother-in-law or something and just put it on on the speaker while she's in your house. (laughs) What do you mean, if? (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we're going to bust some myths, uh, but first, let's do a listener question, Yeah. Yeah. All right. The question we've chosen today is from Samantha Thomason. She is a member of our Breastfeeding for Busy Moms Facebook group, and she says, I just started my first period while breastfeeding. Welcome. He is 11 weeks old, and last time with my daughter, it really slowed my supply. Is there something that can help me, or did anyone else go through something like this? The answer is yes. Many people see their period return, you know, Eight weeks, 12 weeks, six months, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's normal. has to happen sometime. For most people, it does not affect their supply. And from what I'm reading there, if your period is already back and you haven't noticed a change in supply, you might not be no- – it might not happen. Because usually what we see is two to three days before you bleed – People are like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? My supply. Oh, it's my period. Right. You have this big estrogen progesterone surge, and then it drops off Mm -hmm. if you're not pregnant. And it kind of just goes – the drop off is what triggers the menstrual cycle to start. So, you know, and then even a little bit after, there's a smaller little blip in estrogen after the week of your period. Uh, But that one usually doesn't affect anything because it's such a smaller – Spike, But sometimes that big peak and then valley of the estrogen-progesterone combination uh, can show a temporary dip in supply. But it's kind of hard to determine if it's that or if maybe it's just the natural progression of your milk supply dwindling as the day goes on, Mm -hmm. like a natural change in volume. Um, But typically what we see is if you keep at it and you're persistent and you keep breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. it'll resolve. Yeah, and we have some evidence that taking extra calcium and magnesium could help. It's not super definitive, but also that's not going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. So if you're not already getting a good amount of that in your daily multivitamin that you are definitely for sure taking, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Just, just, you know, maybe take a little bit extra the, the second half of your cycle. Okay, so the levels that we're going for here... For calcium, it's suggested that people who are lactating take 1,300 milligrams daily baseline. If you're already taking that much every day, 
and you see a dip in your supply while you're menstruating, you could add a couple, a little extra. You could do like 1,500, um, but that's probably not necessary every single day. And then for magnesium, um, the RDA kind of varies based on what website you check, of course, but um, it's usually around 400 milligrams daily. Magnesium is pretty safe to supplement with, though. You can easily go up to 1,000 milligrams. What's really going to happen if you're taking too much is you get diarrhea. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, and, and like, it's not, you're not just going to, like, explode. You're going to be like, oh, okay, that's getting a little loose. Let me, like, take a little less magnesium. So if you're not already taking about 400 daily, you should start that. And then if you're noticing a dip in your supply, you know, maybe try 800 a day for the last four days of your menstrual cycle and and see how that goes. But, you know, be smart with these. Increase your supplements um, incrementally in small increments, you know. But both magnesium and calcium are pretty safe to play around with in those lower ranges. Yep. Yep. Okay. Maureen... Did you know that my love language is deluxe size beauty products that I can squirrel away to my bathroom and rub on my body and smell good and feel like a million dollars? Oddly specific, but I actually did. <laughs> yeah, it's a situation at my house and I'm not that ashamed of it. I'm proud of it and I'm going to tell you today that I support Glossy Box. Well, lucky for you, uh, for your next birthday and probably for Christmas too, you're going to get a beautifully wrapped, lovely little box containing five deluxe-sized beauty products delivered directly to your doorstep from me from Glossy Box. Yeah, but how do you know that they're any good? Uh, It's really going to be filled with five makeup, hair, and skin products from top brands. And it's different every month, right? Yeah. It's packaged um, with love by their in-house beauty experts and delivered to your doorstep every month. Oh my gosh. That just like tickles me pink and I'm so excited about it. Well, if you guys at home want to try Glossy Box... You can get $10 off a three-month subscription by following the link in our show notes and join me in rubbing on all the creams and smelling all the smells and using all the best hair products. So use the link in our show notes to get your discount at Glossy Box today. Well, let's talk about some myths. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped to talk about these myths because these are things that we hear regularly and I am the kind of person that does the stare and blink when I'm not sure uh, what to say next. Like somebody will tell (laughs) me that their mother-in-law told them that if they would just eat more steak, they would make more milk. And I just like I don't want to offend anybody if they dearly love this family member or if they have this preconceived notion, but it's like everything I have in my being to not be like, seriously. <laughs> oh, I know. Sometimes I just like, I like smile a little and I like look away and I'm like, what, mm, uh, how do I not be mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're like recalibrating, recalibrating. Ooh, okay. And we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Okay. So are you ready for myth number one? Hit me. Okay, so this one is X food, insert broccoli, cauliflower, garlic, onion, spicy food, coffee, whatever, is going to give your baby colic so you can't eat it while breastfeeding. Mm. 
My gosh, this one is so sad. Those poor Italians. Is there anything they cook that doesn't have those delicious <laughs> things in them? I mean, my God. Like, you would never be able to eat again. Well, and the spicy one kills me because I'm like probably two-thirds of the world routinely eat food that white Americans would think of as like real spicy. Right. How ethnocentric do you have to be yeah. to think that you're bland, boring, brown diet is the standard for lactation. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make a lick of sense to me. So if we just take a 10,000-foot view of all of the breastfeeding, chest-feeding parents in the entire world, just zoom out a little bit and think about all the varying types of food and diets that they have mm -hmm. that still successfully feed their babies, it should hopefully allow you to take the pressure off and trust that your baby's gut is maturing and changing in a way that is appropriate. Right. And that's key because, yes, sometimes certain proteins or other elements of what we eat do get absorbed into our bloodstream in large enough quantities that then we see it in milk in large enough quantities that maybe it's going to have an effect on baby. Maybe. However... Even if that's happening, it's usually recommended that you kind of see if you can just push through it because baby's gut is maturing and changing, and we want that to happen. Um, and part of that process is them being introduced to new components of your milk. Yeah, and this happens with you also. So your GI system is your brain's connection to the outside world. Your brain is just this organ floating around in your skull. It doesn't have fingers itself to experience the world. It has your fingers, and it has to get that data from your fingers to figure out what it's touching. And your gut is the data that tells your brain what your environment is like and are you healthy are things good mm -hmm. um are we functioning in a place that's safe for us um is there poison everywhere is there a lack of food are there chemicals you know and when we eat a brand new food like the first time i had kimchi <laughs> my brain was like hold up what's going on here and your microbiome your, your gut microbes were like woohoo party <laughs> they were i don't know if it was a party Maybe the kind of party where you have a hangover after. <laughs> yeah, my gut was like calculating, calculating, okay, this feels different. It feels like a lot. We're not, we, we don't necessarily have the right bacteria to deal with this now, mm -hmm. but if I kept eating it, my gut right. would adjust accordingly. You'd be like, welcome, new bacteria. Let's make room for you over in this subdivision here. <laughs> yeah, and my brain would no longer be controlling, like, inflammatory processes to try right. to eliminate that. It would just be like, oh, I guess this is what we're doing now. So our guts are meant to be able to change based on our environments. Mm -hmm. And if you don't allow that process to happen, you're limiting the breadth of experience that your gut can have and you have to give your baby's gut a chance to live a little yeah and it, like yes then sometimes even beyond that we see issues where we want to eliminate foods but one time of saying i ate broccoli um, or a new one I heard recently was watermelon. Oh, <laughs> um, what? And then baby cried all night, and it was definitely that, and they never ate again. That That is not even, like, correlation, right? That's, like, not even enough for us to say anything. 
But we can, what we can do is we can write that down, put it away. Next time we eat that food, if the same thing happens, write it down again. You know, if we see that three or more times and the reaction is not getting better, then we can consider eliminating that food. Right. And this is really and just then, getting to know your body right. and your baby's body. And then reintroducing later. Yeah, this isn't like when your kid is 30 years old and they go to put a watermelon in their mouth as their mother. You're not like, you know you can't eat watermelon. Right. Right. What? Uh, so, you know, this is and really why I hate this the most and why you hate this the most is because there's a lot of shame. Right. A lot of people from a different generation where this was a widely accepted fact rather than a myth. No, it was an answer. Right. It was an answer um, to normal discomforts of being a baby and turning it into a problem that you caused them. Right. But then we see that those people were shamed by their health care providers. And now those people are then shaming parents now being like, well, I told you not to have garlic because my doctor told me not to have garlic when I had you. And now you're just hurting your baby. And so it's like you made a bad choice that hurts your baby. Shame on you. Fuck that. We're done. Uh, how about this? <laughs> when these types of things happen and providers who don't know anything about breastfeeding recommend formula mm -hmm. and you begin formula with your baby, their gut has the same kind of process that it has to go through to accommodate this new type of food. Yeah. And so then you call the pediatrician and you say, my infant who just started formula this week, like three days ago, is experiencing constipation and gas and fussiness. And you know what they tell you to do? Stick it out for at least a week before changing formulas. So like, right. why can't we stick watermelon out for a week right. and see what happens? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's okay to do that with formula, but not broccoli? What? Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> we're here to say, screw that. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, if you're curious about, like, more of the clinical aspect of that and kind of the steps, um, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine has a protocol on managing allergens while breastfeeding. So you can look that up and um, just understand what a complicated process it really is. We can put that one in the show notes, mm -hmm. actually, for your ease mm -hmm. of access. All right, let me see number two. Okay. No, I know I know number two. Oh, what is that? Number two is that bigger boobs make more milk. <laughs> and smaller boobs make less milk. You know what the difference is in the size, y'all? Fat. Fat. Yep. And Fatty fat tissue. doesn't make milk. No. Nope. Fat cells don't make milk. They do make something to hold on to. Yeah, it turns out <laughs> our glandular tissue is like not that big. It's right. Like even when you see people who would have considered themselves flat chested, you know, um, before breastfeeding, like they, they're probably going to see a little bit of an increase in their size. Um, but like, oh, my gosh, maybe they have A cups then, you know, <laughs> or like B cups or these like still sizes that I just feel like are really small because I'm like moving out of normal cup sizes these days. <laughs> and I work with clients who are like, oh, honey, an F is nothing. I'm an I or whatever. And I'm like, I don't I didn't know we made that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't Sorry. know. <laughs> Sorry. It's so hard to find. Because yeah. That's how that goes. Um, You know, so like. Somebody who has essentially, like, barely any visible, like, gland, you know, like, breasts. I'm going to take this make, one. Yeah. Because I had double A's my oh, whole yeah. life. 
You're Remember? the itty bitty titty committee. I used huh. to be called Skittle Tits. Um, oh God, that's an awful one. Yes, in middle school, Sam Kowalik. I'm gonna give a shout out to that guy because oh, yeah. what did he he, do? he called me Skittle Tits all Thanks, Sam. the time. Um, I hope your wife is listening. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was horrible, but I was also kind of like a waif. You know, I was like mm-hmm. real tall and skinny and the boobs kind of matched. But then as I got older and then I had my first son, I did see breast changes, but it wasn't the shape I always wanted, you know, <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? And I still had no faith in them at all mm-hmm. because I'd spent so much time hating my small chest that I was like, what the heck? Um, of course, it's probably not going to be able to feed a baby. So then like the minute I even had a hint of a supply issue, I was like, it's because they're small. Mm. But really, I fed him very successfully for 10 months. Yeah. Through challenges, through a nipple shield, through all kinds of stress and nursing school and blah, blah, blah. And I did it not because I had these big, delicious, squeezable boobies. It's because <laughs> I had enough glandular tissue yeah. with milk making cells in them to actually make the milk. Period. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting next to you here, Heather, and our natural breast size is probably differs by like an entire pound of tissue or two or three. I mean, like it's it's really different. And yet, you know, yeah, like I also produced enough milk for my son. Just enough, though, like just enough to keep him just on his growth curve. Mm -hmm. You know, no extra and I'm here with these big honking tits, you know? Yep. It didn't mean that I was just fountaining, pouring milk everywhere. Right. The milk supply is a multitude of factors. Mm-hmm. So it's not just glandular tissue. It's the kind of support you have for the type of breast that you have. Maybe you have an IBCLC who has never really figured out how to work with large chests, you Ugh. know? And I see that all the time. Yeah, where they just don't. So really, yeah. you end up with a lack of support. No pun intended. <laughs> and and it's you. It's a good pun, though. Thank you. <laughs> Funny today. And you end up with a byproduct of a low supply. Yeah. You know, or because like it could have very easily for me been my my perception of low supply because of how I felt about my small mm-hmm. chest that led me to quitting sooner than I normally would have. So let us just alleviate those fears for you. Mm-hmm. You are still enough. Your chest is perfect just the way it is. And if you don't have the help you need for your specific chest, go find someone else. Right. And it's not just our experience that supports this. Um, large sets of data support this, that there's no correlation between breast size and the amount of milk made so yep so there so there (laughs) stick that between your boobs (laughs) all right let me give you number three okay so myth number three is that you can't breastfeed if you have mastitis or if you're sick like you have a stomach bug yeah we're calling bs on that one yeah what do you think they did on the prairie guys (laughs) i mean so for some of you, you're probably like, duh, this is common sense, antibodies and immune factors and breast milk. We know all about it. But really, like, at least once a week, we both get this question of like, oh, I just got meds from my doctor for mastitis, but I forgot to ask if I could still breastfeed. Or I just went to urgent care because it's Sunday night or whatever, you know, and I'm getting the antibiotics now, but they said to pump and dump. Oh, but then when you pump, there's blood in it. Mm-hmm. And so then everyone around you goes, oh, my God, you can't give that to baby. There's blood in it. Yeah. There... So here's the thing. Let's start with mastitis. 
Yes, there is a bacterial infection in your breast. But we are not taking that and, like, injecting it into baby's bloodstream. They're putting it into their gut, which is really good at killing bacteria that shouldn't be there. Yeah, it's designed that way. <laughs> yeah. And and so, and we also then, on top of that, have it suspended in this menstruum, in this milk, that has immune factors that are actively fighting it. Right. So we're like, I mean, we're kind of sending in this, like, liquid battle <laughs> into the gut, you know? Yeah. Which is fine. And then the stomach acid in your infant is just going to, like, finish it off. Yeah. That's called the secretory IgA. Mm -hmm. So it's a form of passive immunity. So the fact that you're ill while breastfeeding your baby, like you're sick if you have mastitis, or if you just have a cold, you are literally inoculating them to a point with passive immunity and you want that to happen. That's, mm -hmm. That is nature's way of keeping you guys together and keeping babies safe. Right. And this actually is particularly true for pathogens that affect the gut. So like a GI issue, like when you're having vomiting or diarrhea, that secretory IgA works particularly well for pathogens that want to attack your gut. Right. So especially if you have a stomach bug, keep breastfeeding. Also hydrate more. And try to get some vitamins in, you know, because it's hard on your body. Right. I mean, and if you have like a viral illness like the flu or something and your body is severely compromised and you need to take 12 hours off and you just need to pump, you don't have to throw that milk away. But this is really the reason you might want to pump is just because, A, you're not feeling it right now and you mm -hmm. can't even be around another human being, especially a tiny one that needs things from you, or B, you're limiting the exposure of the viral mm -hmm. pathogen from your respiratory tract to their respiratory tract. You know, like you definitely don't want to sneeze directly into your baby's eye. So <laughs> just like they're going to do to you in two years. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to give you an eye cold because they sneeze into your eyeball. You know, so you can limit exposure that way. But we don't ever recommend not breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. It just means like maybe don't kiss them on the mouth or right like, after you breastfeed them. Wear a mask. Them. Wash or, your hands. Right. Same thing that we say with the COVID protocol. Mm -hmm. So if you're COVID positive, we say, please continue breastfeeding. Just try to limit exposure as much as possible respiratory-wise. So wear a mask and try not to kiss them on the face and do lots of good hand washing and all of that. But mm -hmm. please keep breastfeeding. Please. Yeah. And I do want to mention, because I had this conversation with someone a couple weeks ago, and I was like, wow, I never thought to say that. Okay. Somebody came to me freaking out because they were told they could breastfeed with mastitis, but then they pumped and it was pus. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? What was it? Pus? Really? So sometimes when you're sick, the color of your milk changes. And in that instance, for that person, their milk basically looked more like colostrum. It was thicker and it was pretty yellow. Still milk, not pus. Still safe to feed baby. Sometimes it gets bluish, greenish, pinkish, like we said, from blood. Also, those are all safe to feed. So unless you literally have like an open oozing sore like next to your nipple, and that's what's going on, then for in that case, I would say consult your doctor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Otherwise, keep feeding your baby. Yeah. And the only reason we would know about these color changes anyway is because we're pumping. Mm -hmm. So if your baby was directly breastfeeding 100% of the time, you would never know what it looks like. 
You would just be feeding your baby. And let me also mention that part of the pathology of mastitis is that there's something stuck in there and blocking the way for the milk to come out and the infection develops behind it. And your baby is a much better pump than the pump itself. Mm -hmm. So actually, you want baby to be feeding on that breast. Do not avoid that breast at all. Right. Please feed on that breast. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I even tell people to initiate every feed on the effective breast if they have that one-sided mastitis, if it's not Mm -hmm. on both, just to get that extra pull so we can pull out a clog if there is one. Right. Okay. Glad we got that out of there. (gasps) Okay. So we are at myth four. This one is a funny one. I thought we'd have a little laugh. You have to drink milk to make milk. Oh, my gosh. I heard this one during a consult a couple months ago, and it was awkward because it was like the mother or it was her mother or mother-in-law was there in the room, and she said, I told her if she'd just drink more milk, she'd make more milk. And, and, I, like, and uh... I was like, ooh, I've never had this scenario where they're in the room before, and I've had to correct a person who's older than me. I've had to do that. How did you handle it that time? So I said, you know, that's a really... That's a really common thought. So I acknowledge, <laughs> I acknowledge that. I was like, that is a really common thought. But luckily for us, we've actually shown recently, I let her off the hook <laughs> saying it was recent. We've actually shown recently through research that it actually doesn't matter mm-hmm. um, if they drink milk or not, and they will still make it, which is excellent. And that's exactly what we want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, try to smooth it over. I, I, I try to take that same uh, route, too, because it's pretty often when I've, like, just done a birth that somebody's mom or mother-in-law is there mm. and spat out something like that that they absolutely believe is true with the best intentions. Um, and it is absolutely not helpful, and it's stupid. So, yeah, I try to be like, you know, like, since you had babies, you know, we we found out that that um, just it's not what we're recommending anymore. It's not true. And, you know, I know that was the recommendation for you when you had your daughter, um, but we don't recommend it anymore. It's just it's, you know, times have changed. I've also gone the route a couple times of being like, oh, my gosh, wouldn't that just be the magic fix? If we could all drink more milk, we'd make more. And I said one time I was like, man, I wish that were true. Yeah. I said I wouldn't have a job if it was. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) And then they just kind of look at me and I'm like, like, what? Yeah, I, if milk, <laughs> if drinking milk was the answer to making more milk, I wouldn't be sitting here under the stairs right now talking to you guys. <laughs> exactly. I'd be off chugging milk with people and trying to get them to lactate more. Let me just state that the normal, the norm for adult humans is lactose intolerance. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I just had this vision of feeding a bunch of dairy cows human milk to get them to make more milk. <laughs> just turn it around and just see how that feels. <laughs> Awkward. Oh, super awkward. We have a new comic strip coming out. <laughs> oh, man. I'll have to really try to make time to make that one. Farm Animal Lactation Advice okay. by Heather and Maureen. <laughs> so, anyway. Same goes with the steak, though, I guess. It, yeah, really, though. I, like a cow's talking to another cow. You know, if you'd eat more human, you'd make more milk. <laughs> <laughs> 
the cows like we just don't actually recommend that anymore since you had your cow old news oh my god (laughs) but yeah you don't have to do that you know um there's a really cool episode about lactose intolerance from this podcast will kill you if you want to know more about it but most adult humans are lactose intolerant to an extent um simply because for most of human history like, we haven't milked other animals because we haven't had food preservation techniques that make that safe. And for most mammals in general, we stop drinking milk at a certain point in childhood. Yeah, we're not designed for this. Like, baby coyotes don't go up to mama rabbits and milk them, you know? I mean, just like, that that doesn't happen. Humans are, as far as I'm aware of, the only mammal that milks another mammal to drink their milk. Or make cheese out of it or whatever. So, yeah, like, we don't – that's not a thing. <laughs> you don't have to drink milk to make milk. Um, I will say there is some w- weird, shady stuff happening with the dairy industry historically in this country mm. as to why, like, we love cow milk so much or, or why it's, like, assumed that every child needs to drink, like, gallons of milk a week or whatever. So, anyway. Just check out that food pyramid and see have it sponsored by. Have fun digging into that and this, like, wars and subsidies and all kinds of stuff happened. We're um, going to leave it lie mm-hmm. right there. Have fun. Rabbit hole. Go. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, it is an easy way to pack in some certain nutrients, right? And especially the way milk is now, there's, like, added DHA and omega-3s and vitamin D. Okay, great. Whatever. You can get all of that somewhere else, and it's probably easier to absorb. Truth. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I was just thinking, like, not if all you eat is Doritos and ramen. If all you eat is Doritos and ramen, okay, have some milk. (laughs) Please have some milk. You know, if you do not have a varied diet for whatever reason, and that is the choice that you're making, fine. And maybe you would want to drink some milk that's yeah. got some extra stuff in it, and that or would if, be easy. Or if you're on Wick and, like, all they give you money for is freaking three gallons of milk a week. No, they also give you beans. Yeah. I had so many beans when I was on Wick when I had Theo. I got <laughs> beans and cheese and, and milk. Cereal. And cereal. Yeah. And veggie, veggies. I did have Good. certain amounts of veggies. Anyway, I don't mean to talk shit on Wick, but I do have some problems with the available food to that program. I yeah, think it could it wasn't be better. Great, but I did stock up on dry beans because I was like, my God, I could have mm-hmm. these until he was in first grade. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, pro tip if you're on WIC, buy the dry beans. Yeah. <laughs> and pro the dry t- rice. Pro tip, um, get them used to bean soup early on. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, you don't have to drink milk to make milk. That's just not a thing. Perfect. You think we busted that one enough? I (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're on to our last one. Oh, yes. Myth number five. Some people make skim milk. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just going to say first that's like impossible because skimmed milk is mechanically skimmed. Yes. Just, Just so you know what you're saying. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and if, if a provider has told you to try to eat more fat to increase the fat in your milk, mm. it doesn't work that way. No. That's not how it works. How many times have we said this? As far as we know from pretty large sets of data, we um, know that human milk is like about 2 to 5% like dietary fat. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's um, some other kinds of fats that do different things, um, like cholesterol. There's a lot of that sometimes. And then there's mostly sugar and water. And yeah, but a bunch the, of other immuno stuff happening. The recipe at the macronutrient level is basically the same. Yep. You know, at any given time of day, like it varies person to person to a point, but really mm-hmm. it's the same recipe. You know, like we've all had different types of banana bread. And if you put walnuts in your banana bread, I'm going to be pissed because that should not be in there. I don't like it either. It dries it out wow. in two minutes. Don't do it. I'm glad we agree on this. Finally, we agree on something. I'm kidding. I do, <laughs> I do like chocolate chips in my banana Me too. Bread. But oh, it, makes, yay! <laughs> it makes it more moist. Yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's all still banana bread. <laughs> Okay. Except if you put walnuts in that. I mean, it's still banana bread. (laughs) I don't know, Heather. But no one's going to, yeah, anyway. But no one's going to eat it. (laughs) It's going to be the last thing on the table at the potluck. You're going to be shamed out of that potluck, Susan. (laughs) Anywho, so the whole point is, if you would like to take a deeper dive into this, we have an episode called The Cream Line Myth, because this Mm -hmm. comes from people pumping and then taking pictures of their fat, their quote-unquote fat content, the cream that rises to the top, and sharing it on social media and saying, look how fatty this is after I ate this or got this vaccine or whatever, you know. Yeah. I ate Ben and Jerry's. No, no, no. It's more like I ate a whole box of Little Debbie oatmeal cream And then I drank two gallons of water. Drank two gallons of water. And look at how fatty my milk is. Isn't this amazing? And everyone's like, oh, my God, I need to eat Little Debbie. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, it's that. Or it's when well-meaning but uneducated healthcare providers look at growth charts and they're like, eh, baby's growth isn't where you want it. You must not have enough fat in your milk. So, I don't know. Eat some more nuts or just use formula. Right. Eat some more nuts (laughs) or eat some more steak is what I hear a lot of the time. What? So the cream, we're going to give a brief synopsis so we don't leave you hanging here, but please go listen to that full Mm -hmm. episode so you can feel a lot better about it if this is you. But that cream is mostly cholesterol, and that varies widely person to person. It's not all fat. Cholesterol is a type of fat, but it's not used in the way that we think of when we think of dietary fats. So, Right. Um, and it also depends on how long that milk has been sitting and mm-hmm. how much time it's had to separate. So it really means absolutely nothing. And you cannot identify the amount of fat with your eyes. Right. So that's episode 58. Yeah. In case you wanted to listen to that. So we'll link that episode 58 in the show notes. But you do not make skim milk. And even if you did, which you don't, you it's cannot. Fine. It's fine, and you <laughs> cannot change it with your diet. Yeah, that's not how it works. It's it's really the exception that we would see a parent producing milk that is inadequate for their baby. It's pretty rare. Most of the time, if we have weight gain issues or whatever, it's because baby's just not getting enough milk for whatever reason. Whether, you know, it's usually just a milk transfer issue. We talk about it a lot. We'll have a whole, we're going to talk more about it another time. (laughs) Yeah, but here's my problem. Yeah. So somebody goes into the office, quote unquote, whatever, wherever they are, and maybe their baby does have a weight gain issue and there is an actual problem going on, but it's going to take an hour to get to the bottom of Mm -hmm. it. I have never 
in my life done a lactation visit in less than an hour. It, yep. I cannot and I Same. will not because there is well, that much going on. One time I did a consult over the phone. It was 11 minutes long. It was not a full problem-solving thing, though. It was the parent called me. They knew exactly what the problem was, and they just wanted me to tell them, yes, that's the problem. Go see your doctor. Yeah, that's (laughs) totally different. But just so you know, most doctors, most providers in a clinic setting do not have an hour, Mm -hmm. and they do not have this specific training, although they should, in breastfeeding. And it's so much easier to tell you to go try to eat more fat, to make more fat in your milk, and hope that that placebo in your brain works. I mean, this, I just have so much to say about this, I can't even start, because we're at the end of our episode. (laughs) Right. Ah, shucks. Well, if you have any myths that you would like us to bust, email us at milkminutepodcast at gmail.com. We love these myth-busting episodes. There's so much bad information out there. Mm -hmm. Not just misinformation, just flat-out bad. Bad information. Cancel little Debbie. Wrong. (laughs) Okay. Let's do an award, Heather. Let's end on a high note. I have a good one for today. Uh, Heather, did you know I have an Etsy shop? Uh, Yes, I creep on there regularly. (laughs) Well, listeners, if you didn't know out there, I have an Etsy shop with my personal artwork on there. I have stickers, posters, t-shirts, but my favorite items are my surprise mugs. (laughs) I have a couple of color-changing mugs featuring uh, my little illustrations of vulvas and breasts. And boy, are they a surprise, especially when you give it to your boss that you do not like and they pour hot coffee in it and labias abound. I like to give them to, like, my mom or dad when they visit, pour them a (laughs) cup of tea and watch their face. And really, I think everybody needs these in their home. So if you would like one for yourself or anything else that I make, you can visit Etsy.com slash shop slash the wandering WOM6. That's etsy.com slash shop slash the wandering womb, but with a six instead of a B. And of course, that link will be in the show notes. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? So this award goes to one of our patrons, Caitlin H. And Caitlin said, a few days ago while visiting friends who recently had their first baby, I was talking to the proud mom about her breastfeeding experience so far and from the other room... I heard my husband telling his friend how crazy our bodies are and all these different facts about breast milk. I had no idea he paid attention when I listened to the podcast and cooked (laughs) dinner or washed the dishes, but it definitely gave me all the warm, fuzzy feelings. Oh, my gosh. Caitlin, can you send us a picture of him, please? (laughs) So I'm going to give, like, him and you an award kind of together as a team. I was thinking, like, eavesdropping excellence. Eavesdropping Excellence (laughs) Award goes to Caitlin's husband. This is amazing. (laughs) I really hope that your partners are soaking this up Mm -hmm. via, you know, active listening or osmosis. I'll take it. If they're just kind of collecting little bits over time, that's awesome. And they're talking about it? See, that's the part I like the most. And I like, like, I have a very supportive partner, guys, who's listening right now. He listens to every episode. And all the time I'm like, did you did you talk to your friend? Your friend just had a baby. Did you tell them that? <laughs> He's like, just let it. I, I talk to my friends in my own way. <laughs> you know what's funny? My husband supports in a different way. He's never listened to an episode. 
ever. That's funny. Maybe he's afraid, but... <laughs> also fine. Also fine. But he does actually almost aggressively recommend the podcast to anyone in public who is breastfeeding or has a small child to the point where he almost comes off more of a zealot than I am. Not that I, I am. I'm not like a breast is best, like, you know, whatever like person. Cash is. But he said that he saw this mom at the park breastfeeding and he went over, like, beelined it for her to, like, tell her about the podcast. And her name's Christina. And she goes, um, I actually already listened. Like, <laughs> she, she had to like tell him to tell him to, to like leave let her him alone. off the hook. Oh my gosh! I was like, honey, you can't be aggressive about that. Oh, whatever, let him be. It's fine. Oh my god! I was like, you're gonna make people feel uncomfortable. <sighs> whatever, what do you do? it's all right. He was like, they need to know. <laughs> Yes, they do, Cash. Thank you. Thank you. Who's not listening right now? (laughs) (laughs) I can say whatever I want. He doesn't listen. Well, Ivan likes to listen when he's at work and he says he misses me. (laughs) Oh. Which is very sweet. That's nice. And then every every time we release one, I kind of like wait in silence for him to be like, I listened today and here's what I thought about it. He's a very good critic. Oh. In a helpful way. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I keep you around, honestly, because my husband isn't that (laughs) for me. But it's good to have a partner that challenges you. And you are my partner in podcasting. Mm -hmm. And it's really good to have somebody who's like, actually, let's Mm -hmm. try this. Let's push it this way. Let's swing it this way. I agree. And not that either one of us would do a bad job on our own. No, but it's like we have some balance. And sometimes like I say things or you say things and only our audio editor hears us be like, no, wait, mm, we're going to back that off and try that again in a different way because that wasn't the way. Yeah. Or I don't think you meant it this way, but (laughs) But this is how you sounded. (laughs) (laughs) So get that person in your life, you guys. And if my husband beelines it for you in the park, just run the other way. (laughs) Just just say, I already listened to the podcast. (laughs) Flash your Milk Minute sticker and just keep running. He will not stop. Oh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Milk Minute Podcast. The way we change this big system that is not set up for lactating parents is by educating ourselves and our children and all of our friends around us. If you want to support the podcast, you can join us over at patreon.com slash milkminutepodcast. And becoming a supporter gives you access to all kinds of cool behind-the-scenes stuff and little perks. Yep. And don't forget all that sweet merch. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. It's a minute.